Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons Podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Just to give you a heads up, um, my wife and I, my family, we were at a at a Pentecostal church yesterday. How many know what I mean when I say a Pentecostal church? It was a Pentecostal church because the service was three and a half hours long. That's how you can tell, first of all. And it was in Sacramento. We were in Sacramento at my brother-in-law's church. They are a new church. It's a year old, and uh, it, was a, it was a great service. My daughters got to sing a, a special for them, and uh, they pulled in Anna as well because some of the people there were part of the church she belonged to 30 years ago. And so she knew all, this is a Spanish church, so uh, pulled her in to sing all the songs that she used to sing with them back in the day, and it was just wonderful. So we got home about 12.30 last night, and we were so tired last night, but how many knows God's strength is good, amen? He fills us with his strength. He renews us every day, amen? And it doesn't matter how many times I'm in the presence of God like that. It's always refreshing. It's always refreshing to our, our spirit and our soul. So, again, so glad you're here today, and I'm so glad that I'm here today, too, and my family. Amen. We're going to continue this afternoon. I've been talking to you, uh, actually teaching to you on the Holy Spirit, and this is part three of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the first couple of weeks, um, and I've titled this, My Friend, the Holy Spirit. He is your friend, if you don't know that already. He should be your best friend, in fact. The Holy Spirit is. First week, we talked about how He is our helper, our comforter in time of need when we go through situations where we need His help, where we need His comfort, where we need His peace. Immediately, the presence of God overwhelms us. Amen? And then last week, I focused on the fact that the Holy Spirit has a mind, a will, and emotions. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't just a force or, or a power of God, but He is, as the Bible describes Him, the second person of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit here who has a mind, a will, and emotions. And I want to be clear on this, that if you don't develop a relationship with this Holy Spirit, it's very difficult to have a saved, loving relationship with God. We must develop this personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that means not just coming to church on Sunday, but it means taking the time to spend alone with God. How many know that that's a simple truth of living a life as a believer in Christ? You must be able to spend time alone with God. And, and you know, it, it starts with five minutes. It starts with ten, then thirty minutes, then an hour. But if you really want to see the presence of God at work in your life, I'm talking about when you get on your knees and you pray and say, Lord, I need help with this. And if you really want the presence of God to come and help you in your life, you need to be spending the time with Him. Amen? And he will rejoice and he will answer those prayers, I promise you. So today, I want to take a look at what the Holy Spirit came to do. Came to do versus what, who he is, which is what I kind of focused on the first couple of weeks. Now, let me make another clear distinction today. I'm going to talk about the baptism 
of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as some of you may have heard it described. But the distinction I want to make is that being filled with or baptized in the Holy Spirit is an experience distinct and separate from salvation. Amen? When we are saved, when we repent, the Bible says we confess with our mouth. We, we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth and receive Christ Jesus into our life. That is the born-again experience. This secondary experience, which is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which occurred to the born-again disciples in the upper room, these people were saved. They walked with Jesus for three years. They didn't get saved then. They were saved already. They received this experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you here today, this still applies to us today in 2023. Some people will tell you, well, those gifts of, of speaking in tongues and miracles uh, ceased with the apostles and the disciples. I want to tell you here today, the Bible declares Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? The gifts didn't die with him. They're still alive. They didn't die with the apostles. They were passed on. And I'm going to take you through scriptures that will show you and I those truths today. Amen? So... When, when, and then, so the other thing I want to point out too is that when you are saved, and we say the Lord, the sinner's prayer here. How many have heard me say, lead you in the sinner's prayer? That's a prayer of repentance. When you come to the altar, I remember uh, a person coming, telling me one time, well, I came and I, I gave my heart to the Lord. I repented. And, uh, but they didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't, they didn't speak in tongues. But I told them, you were saved that day. When God saw you take that step of repentance, you had faith in your heart to believe on him, and then you professed that you needed him as a savior, God saved you that moment. Amen? So I, I want you to know that at that moment, the spirit of Christ came in you at that moment and sealed you as a believer. Let's make that distinction clear right now. When you repented and came to Christ, the Spirit of God came and filled you at that time. Today, what I want to talk to you about is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is for power and for service as a believer. So let's go there today. But the question I have for you today is, why should we as believers seek this baptism of the Holy Spirit? There's, there's that simple question that many people will ask, well, why should I seek it? What is the whole purpose behind it? Well, I'm here to tell you that the disciples needed it, and you and I needed it, needed for his power and his presence in our lives. It's to empower you and I. How many like power, extra power? How many like extra power in their cars? I do. Yeah, and, uh, and so forth. Uh, let me just give you an example of what I mean, an analogy. I remember my first car. It didn't have power steering. How many remember those days when you drove cars that had no power steering? For you younger people, what that meant is when you turned the steering wheel, you had to turn it with force. It, nowadays, you just grab the steering wheel with your finger and you could turn the steering wheel. My first car was a 1965 Chevy Corvair. And they're basically outlawed nowadays, but that was my first car and my dad bought it and it was a cool car. I loved that car. And, but you had to steer it with some force. It didn't turn easily. 
And then my next car was a 69 Ford Mustang, and that thing, I could turn the steering wheel with one finger because it had power steering. You see, that power was the ability to steer that car now. You didn't have to exert the force. You didn't have to do it. The power steering pump provided the power to do that. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit empowers you to be the witness to live a life of fullness of what God has intended for you. Does that make sense? Amen. So, again, the Holy Spirit is available to each of you today to give you the power to witness and to live righteously in this world that we live in. And I want to invite you to uh, take a look, and we've got a lot of scriptures I want to look at today. But I'm going to have you turn to Acts, the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, starting in verse 4 through verse 8. You have it on your outline. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. One will be passed out to you. We'll also have it up on the screen for you, behind me. Listen to these words here in Acts chapter 1. And listen to the words that Jesus is telling his disciples. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the, the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and American Canyon and Vallejo and Napa and the Bay Area, all the way to the ends of the earth. You see what Jesus is telling his disciples here that were already saved and born again, that they were going to need additional power to be able to turn the world upside down. Because as you continue to read the Bible, the disciples were mentioned as turning the world upside down by the word of their testimony, by the power that they had. That came through the Holy Spirit baptism, which we're going to take a look at. Now, the other thing that's important to note here is, uh, on this occasion, Jesus is, is, uh, is talking about this occasion that's going to happen. It's going to happen on 50 days after Jesus was resurrected, on the Passover, is this day called Pentecost Sunday, which we celebrate now. But really, Pentecost, all it means is 50 days. 50 days after what? 50 days after Jesus resurrected they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's that meaning there. It was a, this was also a festival of the Jewish people. It was called the Festival of Feasts. And they were basically commanded to come to Israel to worship in the temple in Jerusalem. The Jews, the religious Jews of that time, there were religious holidays that they observed during the year. And this is one of the major ones. So at that time, there were many people from different neighboring countries there that spoke different dialects. Different, it'd be like if you had here people, Germans and Italians and French and Spanish and Filipinos and, 
Well, it kind of describes our church. But, you know, they're all coming to this place. Amen? And so that's what's going on here in Jerusalem. Now, Jesus here, what I wanted you to note in verse 8, that Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Everybody say the word power. I didn't hear you. Power. Power, you got to say it with meaning, with conviction. Otherwise, it's not power. Right? So here's the other thing. This account that we're, we just read, we're about to read, actually. Or no, the one that we just read, takes place in what's called the upper room in a building in Jerusalem. And um, there were approximately 120 believers in this room. And uh, they began, the Bible says that they began to speak in tongues as the, this mighty wind blew, this, the power came of the Holy Spirit came and fell upon them. And the, the Bible notes that there was a rushing, a sound of a rushing mighty wind. It sounded, they heard something come and enter into this room. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, it said, and it sat upon each of their heads, the Bible says. It doesn't say there was literal fire. It just means that it, it appeared like it was fire upon these disciples, upon these 120 believers, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, who were gathered there. Remember, they were following the commands of Jesus to wait in Jerusalem and pray for the promise of the Father. So here, what I'm describing it happens in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, where they then were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They, all of them began to speak in tongues. In fact, um, can you hand me that, the Bible right there? Um, I, I don't have that scripture up on the outline, but I want to make sure I read it to you. So you get the gist of what I'm talking about. Thank you, Raquel. Um, if you turn with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, starting in verse 4. So let me turn there as well. And actually, we'll start in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, everybody say Suddenly. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind, a rushing wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be or what appeared to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Verse 4, all of them, everybody say all of them, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them in their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, Italians, Mexicans, Filipinos? How, how do we hear them speaking in our own language? Is, this is what they're saying. This is then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonder of God in our own tongues, in our own languages. 
Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they had too much wine. The people, the non-believers that were looking at that thought, oh, they're drunk. They're obviously drunk. But remember, this was the third hour of the day, so essentially what that means is 9 a.m. in the morning. Not too many people drunk at that hour of the day, especially 120 people. Amen? So that's what's going on here as the baptism of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon these people. You see all these people from all these nations gathered there together, and those that are outside of the upper room are hearing all this commotion, seeing this and going, ah, oh, they're all drunk. They've been partying all night, and they're, now they're staying up, and they're, they're, they're drunk on wine. But that wasn't the case, amen? So here's, here's another scripture I want to talk to you about, the fulfillment of this power. So we see it taking place. Now we want to see the fulfillment of it for others. So I want to have you turn to Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 38 through 40. And I'm going to, these are the NIV version uh, of the scriptures I'm reading to you. Beginning in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children, and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Let me stop right there. Again, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Just like when we say, go forth in the name of Jesus. That's what Peter's declaring here. The, the scriptures, the, the Greek declares here, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. The Greek says, because you've been forgiven, go out and get baptized. We, when we come to Christ as believers, our sins are immediately forgiven. How many know that? What Christ did on the cross wiped away the debt of your sins. How many are thankful for that today? That one day you came forward and said, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent from you, my sins today. I turn from the way I was walking, and now I'm going to walk in this new direction. That moment, your sins were forgiven. Amen? And, and so here what I want to focus in, on is the, is the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Notice how this was for those disciples and their children and their children's children and on and on and on. In fact, the Word of God says, and as many as the Lord our God shall call. That includes you and I, all of us here. Amen? Everybody say that. That means me. Exactly. So I want to talk to you just real quickly for the next few minutes on a couple of points on blessings of the Holy Spirit baptism. But first, let's take a look at, number one, the initial evidence. What, what was going on? What did they see? Because I want to make sure you have a right understanding, biblically, of what was going on at that time. You see, the, the gift of Pentecost, or the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is most of all the privilege given to every believer to be immersed in the presence of God. How many like to be immersed in the presence of God? Amen? That's a privilege. That's a blessing for you. I don't want to just get half-dipped when I want to see the things of God. I want to just say, Lord, 
Dunk me completely in your presence, in your spirit. Saturate me completely. I don't want to just have a touch. How many like to go swimming and just stick their toes in the water and say, I'm good? I don't think that's most of us here, unless it's my mom because she's deathly afraid of water. But most of us want to go swimming and immerse ourselves completely. The Holy Spirit works that way. You must immerse yourself. But it, it starts with surrender. I want you to keep that word in mind, surrender. In fact, say it with me here today, surrender. In fact, do this for me. Raise your hands. That's a universal sign understood in any language in the world. That means I surrender. When you and I are doing this during praise and worship, what you're telling God is, I surrender. My will, let your will be done. Amen? So it's okay for you to do that. It's biblical to surrender. Amen? Amen. So again, to, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is to be immersed in the personal presence and the power of the living God. The spirit of the crucified, risen, and ascended Jesus Christ this is what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be completely immersed in His presence. And the evidence of that, as shown in the Scriptures, is the Holy Spirit baptizing you and you speaking in tongues. And I'm going to walk you through that. So let's get this clear again. Pastor Rick, if I have not spoken in tongues, does that mean I'm not saved? No, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what I'm here to tell you today. If you've received Christ as your Savior... You have been saved. This right here is for power in your walk, in your life. Amen? So I just want to make sure we're all speaking the same language, language here. Um, Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Listen to this as, as the New King James Version puts it. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What that is describing is the scene in the upper room, which I had the privilege of visiting when I went to Israel 10 years ago this year. Uh, I got to go in that upper room. It was an amazing experience. We had communion in there to realize that this story here took place in that room and to know that the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was that they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You are that vessel. You have to declare those words, but the Spirit will speak through you. So I want you to catch that. So here initially, the disciples, all those that were there, spoke in tongues. I want to take you to Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 44 through 46. And listen to these words of Peter. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message the circumcised believers who had come with Peter, or the, the Jewish people, the religious Jews at that time, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Let me back up. Peter and the disciples at that time thought that this gift was only for the Jewish people. Gentiles, everybody say Gentiles. That's who you are. 
If you were not born a Jewish man or a woman, you are a Gentile. The Bible makes it clear there's a distinction. There's the Jews and the Gentiles. You and I are Gentiles. And so here in this passage, Peter, in Acts chapter 10, was amazed. There was a family, uh, Cornelius and his family. They were actually Italian. They received this, ga- this gift, and the disciples were astonished. They were like, oh, my goodness. God is he's opening up these doors. It's not just for us. It's for everybody. See, they didn't know that was part of God's plan at that moment. This is why they needed the power, the Holy Baptism, the Holy Spirit baptism, to go out and witness to all these other nations. You see, they wouldn't have needed the power if it was just reaching their own people, in my opinion, but they needed the power to reach all these other nations, all these people that had never heard this message. Amen? So the Bible again says in verse 46, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then the, my third passage here is in Acts chapter 19 and verse 6. This is the Apostle Paul when he's praying for people here in, in this, uh, he, was, he was talking in Ephesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Again, he laid hands on them, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In each of these three cases, three different families, three different types of people, they all spoke in tongues. It wasn't just a one-time incident, and you could just say, ah, well, that was a one-time thing that happened then, and it's no good. This occurred then, and it continues into our day and age. Amen? In fact, we can clearly see from the scriptures that when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out upon believers, they spoke in tongues. Amen? Now, why tongues? Why, why make it so weird, Lord? You know, you might think that. that well, that's weird. I, I got a suspicion on this one here. And just listen to what... Um, I believe it's because of the scripture that's uh, noted in James chapter 4. Listen to this scripture here, verses 6 through 8. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But listen here to verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. What does that mean? It means that some of you here today came here or left the place where you were just arguing and arguing with somebody right this morning this afternoon, and you got here and began to praise God and lift Him up, but our tongue, can it's full of evil is what that scripture is saying. This is the one member of our body that we have most difficulty in controlling. How many agree with that? Our tongue, especially in this day of social media where we have keyboard warriors, right? We have keyboard warriors. They, they can get on social media and, and say things because nobody's going to come and attack them physically. And, and that's such a, a cowardly way of living because of this right here. Our tongue says things. 
Well, back in the... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't go there. So, again, we have to learn to control our tongue. Amen? And, and here the Scripture tells us, and that's why I believe the God Almighty uses your tongue when you are completely surrendered to Him and gives you and baptizes you with the gift of, of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Amen? He allows you to speak in something that you're not capable of without completely surrendering to Him. So let's go to the second point here. We saw that now through scriptures, they spoke in tongues. The initial evidence is speaking in tongues of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, it's an empowerment for service. What does that mean? Well, in the scriptures, baptism of the Spirit relates to empowerment for service, specifically to reach out and preaching and teaching and sharing the gospel to all these other countries, to people of other languages, proclaiming Jesus Christ to every person and every nation. Jesus Christ said in, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20 to go in to all the nations and proclaim this gospel. It's the, it's the gospel's directive. It's the gospel's mission to go out into the world and teach all nations. Amen? It's the proclamation of the gospel. But you and I, what, what we have on our side as believers, we have this available power for us. It empowers us to be able to do that. That's what it's for. Let, let me read to you here um, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. Listen to these words of Jesus. He says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Here Jesus was telling his disciples when he was telling them to stay in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit was going to come and baptize them. The Father had promised this gift of the Holy Spirit. Stay there, and this is what's going to give you the power to do what you need to do as saved believers, amen, to go out into the world and preach the gospel. And then Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, which we've already read, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and American Canyon and Napa and Vallejo, the Bay Area, and to the ends of the earth. You and I are God's hands and feet in this world. You and I are what he expects to use to proclaim the gospel in this world. That's why we have missionaries. That's why we have churches. And, and you might say, well, do we need another church? There's, yes, we need as many churches as possible. There's always somebody that, that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so this power, receiving this power, was understood to be what was needed to proclaim the gospel at that time. The disciples understood Okay, I'm, uh, Jesus is telling me to wait here for this power that I'm going to receive. And he's telling me that with this power, I'm going to be able to go out and witness to share the gospel with others. Did you know that in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says that you are my witnesses? You're Jesus' witnesses. You're the witnesses of Jesus. Jesus was the one declaring that. And, he, and what he's saying by that is, 
not just the words of your speech, but your actions. How many know that actions speak louder than words? It's the way you live your life. It's the way you conduct yourself. Not just the words of inviting someone to church or asking them, have you received Christ Jesus as your Savior? Have you allowed Him to help you with your hurts, with your hang-ups, with your habits? Because God can do that, amen? God can fix all of that. And, and it's receiving this power that, that helps us to do those things. So, again, spirit baptism and evangelism are closely related to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was the sole function for you to have that. Those two reasons right there. The church of God, the early church, never would have existed and grown if the promise of the Father had not been poured out upon those early believers. You see, they had already walked with Jesus for three years, saved, born again, but they had not received the power needed to accomplish the task that Jesus knew lay ahead for them because Jesus was going and the Holy Spirit was going to come and lead them and empower them, amen? And here's the, the final thing that we're empowered for. Righteous living. Ooh, boy. That's a, that's a, I mean, right there, that's a black eye on our world. That's our society right now. How many believe that our world is so messed up right now? I mean, there's a lot of things going on in our world that every day you open the news to read, it just breaks your heart to see things. Six-year-olds shooting their, kid, their, parents, their teachers in school, bringing guns to school. Um, high schools recently in the Sacramento area promoting drag queen events with their students. I mean, it just breaks your heart to see stuff like that going on uh, and much worse. People nowadays, you know, depending on the community you live in, you don't want to go out after dark. You want to stay home and be safe because you don't know what's out there chasing you. And the, the point of that is, we need righteous living. We, as believers, need to be living righteously. Amen? And the baptism of the Spirit is essential to help you do that. How many times have I heard people say, Pastor Rick, I can't break this habit. I can't break this habit. I have this habit that I cannot break. And yet, they don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power they need. And I'm looking, it's like, it's right there, dude. It's right there. All you need is to, pro to claim it, to receive it. And that power will help you to overcome that habit. The foul language, the habit of, of cussing, the, the habit of, of drugs and alcohol, the habit of pornography. Did you know that 7 out of 10 men are hooked on pornography? Did you know that? That was a statistic that was just cited in the service we were in last night. Seven out of ten men, they need the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And, and this is what, what re, when we are living righteously, you see, you got God living inside of you. You got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Everybody say, I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And you do the moment you got saved. Jesus swept the house, he cleaned out the old house, and he came to live in the new house, which is your temple, which is your body. The Bible's clear on that. But now he wants to give you power to overcome 
the habits that you've developed over years, bad habits. And he wants to empower you through righteous living. And this is also, you can call it a personal holiness, but, but it's righteous living. It's living right. Amen? And I want to share with you that there was, in the early Corinthian church, there was a problem they were having. They were caught up in the, a carnal nature or the fleshly nature. The Bible says that they had this gift. They received this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were operating in gifts of the Spirit. And it's, it's at this point that they needed to understand that spiritual fruit and not spiritual gifts should flow from the baptism of the Holy Spirit experience. Going back to the people arguing on the way to church, maybe they were, and that's none of you here. Those are other churches I'm talking about, okay, just to make that clear. Maybe they were even cussing somebody out. Maybe they use foul language and saying, well, you should have done this last night. You should have done that. Well, you didn't make me breakfast, and I, well, I wouldn't make you eat your breakfast. And maybe it was some of that. And here they are in churches, raising hands, lifting up God. That's kind of what the Corinthian church was known for. They were very fleshly. God had poured out his power upon them. But just don't mistake this. Just because I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean I'm holier than holy. You still got to walk in your body. Amen? You still got to walk in your flesh. Amen? And how many know it's a battle every day to crucify the flesh? Paul said you got to crucify the flesh. Don't put yourself in circumstances, in situations where you know you're going to fail. Don't put yourself in those situations. Again, the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians, and I'm not going to take the time to turn there, but he was rebuking the church because they were seeking an experience rather than the fruit, the joy, the peace, the love, the self-control, all those, the fruit of the Spirit as described in the Bible, they were seeking an experience. It's great to have an experience, but I want you to grow with the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to grow as mature believers, that you will be known as a, as a mature believer walking in righteousness. Amen? Amen. I want to show you an example of that right now. Bear with me. Okay, bear with me. All right. Everybody say saved. When you got saved, the Lord poured out his presence in you, just like this. I repented. I remember I came to an altar. I was, I, th I believe I was 24 years old. The Lord filled me with his presence that day. I was filled with his presence. The Bible says that he was now living inside of me. Amen, just like you. I had the presence of God, the Spirit of God living inside of me. But I hadn't experienced this, this uh, experience here of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I got saved in March, March 25th of 1984. And on July 4th, I surrendered to God and I said, Lord, if this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit... You see, here's the problem. Some people seek tongues. Don't seek tongues. Seek to be filled. Seek 
to be surrendered. And so I finally said, Lord, I surrender to you. And this is what he did. He filled me. And now look at this. He began to overflow in my spirit. And the spirit of God was just overflowing and overflowing. And every time you get near his presence and and just want more of him, he's just going to begin to overflow in your spirit, overflow in you and pour out, overflow, overflow. Amen? How many want that in their life? Amen. God is telling you today, the Holy Spirit baptism is for you. He wants you to overflow with goodness. He wants you to overflow with power, though, for righteous living, to be able to witness, to be able to share the gospel. How many want that in their life? How many agree that I need that power? Amen? Amen. So as believers, what this shows us is that we should continually be filled with His Spirit and its blessing in our lives. Because see, when you're overflowing, you're a blessing to those around you. When you're dried up, you have nothing to give. When you're dried up, you can't give anything. All you can do is receive. God wants you to overflow in your spirit, to give out to others. Amen? And, and that overflow will help us to have a joyful spirit. It'll take this and make it a, a smile. Put joy in your spirit. Amen? He'll put joy in your spirit. He'll allow you to minister to others, to have thanksgiving in your heart. And then I think the most important thing is to have mutual submission and mutual respect for each other. Amen? It gets rid of that ego. It gets rid of that ego that this world just, uh, it stinks to high heaven. Amen? I want to read our last scripture to you as get ready to close here today. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5. How many are receiving something today? Raise your hand if you're receiving something today. Amen? Good, good, good. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Listen to the words here of Paul. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, or in other words, because of this, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, with hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Being wise, not unwise as the world, that is how we're supposed to live. But again, when you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it empowers you. It helps you to live wisely, to make right choices for your life. And I'm not going to spend the time on here, but I'm not saying you can't drink wine. That's not what the scripture says. It just says don't be drunk. In other words, don't be out of control. How many know that when you're drunk, you're out of control and you're not in control? Amen? That's what it's saying here. And when you live wisely, you'll be able to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. You'll be able to sing and make music from your heart. You'll be able to come and lift your hands up here with ease and to say, Lord, we love you. 
Lord, we lift you up. Lord, we praise you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. As we close, I just want to close with this regarding the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Millions of believers in the past 2,000 years have testified to this same experience. This isn't just something that's new. It's been going on for over 2,000 years. Many of these same results that were reported in the book of Acts have been reported over history, recorded history. These believers include such notable mainstream evangelists as John and Charles Wesley in the 18th century, Charles Finney, Dwight Moody in the 19th century. This indeed is a Pentecostal experience in biblical terms, but it's not Pentecostal in any denominational sense. This is open to everybody. God has been pouring out His Spirit for over 2,000 years, and He's not going to stop until he comes to take his people home with him. This, as the Bible says, is a promise of the Spirit that is for as many as the Lord our God, our God shall call, for our sons and our daughters, our young and our old servants, just as Joel prophesied in Acts chapter 2, and the same message that Peter proclaimed in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. This gift is, is, is a promise to as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's a promise that still exists today. Stand with me today as we close. We're going to worship one last time as we close here today. And again, just like last week, you know, the, the presence of God wants to fill you with his, with his touch, with his power. And if you want that power here today, I would just encourage you, come on up, and I will pray with you. I will pray with you. I will encourage you. Amen? So let's worship the Lord as we go to him today and let's just give him thanks for and let's remind ourselves that God, we can't do anything without you, that we surrender to you today and we put all of our trust in you today. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon. 